0: Scripture for Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever re- relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, We are continuing this summer to look at the Sermon on the Mount uh, and uh, think through this uh, this collection of teachings that that Matthew has, has uh, put together for us uh, of the words of Jesus. We looked at the end of the sermon and then came back to the beginning to look at the Beatitudes and then the Salt and Light passage. And now we jump into uh, what some have called the, the core of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, this large group of teachings about the law. And uh, Jesus is going to give some new commandments on this mountain, and uh and clearly he's he's walking into this imagery of him being the new Moses and but before we look at the commandments that follow in the the rest of Matthew chapter 5 Jesus gives this little four verse introduction even though it's small it, it packs a big punch in fact uh, Dr. Jonathan Pennington in his book The Sermon on the Mount and Human Flourishing calls this the propositio or the main thesis statement of the whole sermon. And what Jesus is doing is, is he's going to give these laws and his interpretation of the laws. He, he wants to, um, he's anticipating that there's going to be questions about who he is and, and what he's doing and, and what his relationship is to the law and to uh, the, the Old Testament uh, or or the Hebrew Bible. And uh, he knows people are going to wonder what's his relationship with that. So So he wants to just preemptively answer some of those questions. And they're valuable questions because they're questions we have, too. Uh, have you ever read the Old Testament? There's some weird stuff in there. Should we read the Old Testament? What does it mean that we should or shouldn't read the Old Testament? How do we read the Old Testament? Uh, and so so we have some of those same questions that Jesus' first audience and then Matthew's written audience w- would have had so we we wanna take a look at uh at these scriptures and and it's difficult because a lot of Christians don't really mess with the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. some pastors only preach from the New Testament in fact, some pastors only preach the red letters uh the the words of Jesus. but if you know me, you know, I dip into both sides of the Bible so uh, i wanna but the question is today, is that proper? Should you read the Bible like that so So let's walk through this passage. Uh, Jesus gives these four verses and they line up with four sort of statements that he's trying to make. It's a progression of argument that Jesus is trying to do. We're just going to go step by step through those four. Uh, First, Jesus claims to fulfill the Torah and the prophets, the law and the prophets. Um, Now, uh, he's not one to abolish them, annul them, get rid of them. He's actually trying to fulfill them. Now, the Law and Prophets is a way of talking about the Hebrew Scriptures as a whole. Um, The Law and the Prophets, uh, the the Law is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And and you can think of the Old Testament like a bullseye. So the core, the center of the bullseye is the Torah, the five books of the Bible. And then there are the prophetic books that help interpret the Torah. And then there's another section of Scripture that um, wasn't considered Scripture the same way in Jesus' day, um, called the Writings. And those are other books that help interpret what the prophets say about the Torah. Okay, So there's this sort of bullseye. But in Jesus' day, it was the law and then the prophets that interpret the law. So, it, so it's not just the laws. Okay, it's, it's this ongoing conversation of what it means that God is working in the life of Israel. What's God's ongoing relationship? Not just the center of it, but then the implications of that, that the prophets are sort of wrestling with. So when Jesus is talking about the law and the prophets, he's talking about the scriptures um, but and their expectations. Not just the rules, but what is this ongoing story? And Jesus says he fulfills this story, does not abolish it, annul it, doesn't replace it. He he sees himself as part of the story. Um, this word fulfill is a word that, that is really important to the Gospel of Matthew. He he uses it five times In the birth narratives, uh, talking about ways in which Jesus fulfills expectations of the Messiah. Um, He he talks about, Jesus uses the term when he talks about fulfilling righteousness at his baptism. In chapter 4, Jesus quotes Isaiah and talks about fulfilling. So already, uh, Matthew has used this word fulfill seven times to talk about how Jesus is stepping into this story. Uh, It means that all the expectations of the Old Testament, Jesus uh, come true in Jesus, that this saving work, this ongoing plan that Jesus has or that God has is being fulfilled. It, it, it steps in with Jesus. He, Jesus has continuity with all of that previous story. In fact, he is bringing to completion all the things that God started in the Old Testament. That brings you, so that's step, step number one. I came, not, I came to fulfill the law, not abolish it. Step number two, Jesus says that everything in the Torah is true. Until the end of the world, not one iota or dot. In, uh, in Hebrew, uh, the, the language is written left to right, and it's, it's written uh, just as consonants. And some of them are small little marks. Some of them are a little more advanced to write. And then some of them, all the vowels are points or dots around or in the letters. And uh, you don't need the vowels. Uh, in fact, if you read a paper in Israel today, the Hebrew is all consonants. You have to know what the vowels are, which makes me worthless at reading uh, modern Hebrew without any points. I'm not that good anyway. Um, I only know enough to sort of look stuff up. Um, But Jesus is saying not one little letter, not one little point of the law is going to go away. Even the unnecessary parts, like the vowels. It's going to all, until everything is accomplished, the law is going to be together. Well, what is accomplished until God's plan all comes together and is accomplished, the law stays; it remains. Everything in there is true, and to be sure that people don't misunderstand him, he he goes on to step three in his argument. Okay, so he says, "I came to fulfill it; uh, that uh, uh, everything in the Torah is true." And so the people don't get confused. Everything in the Torah must be observed. He says, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of the commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So 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 teachers can't. Even, so he's talking about teachers here. They can't lax any of the commandments. Traditionally, it was understood that something like 613 commandments were found in the Torah. I've never counted them myself. That's just a traditional uh, number. Um, but but there's some kind of weird stuff in there. For example, you're not supposed to wear mixed fabrics. Okay, so cotton, polyester. Uh, you're not supposed to have a mixed field. It's out of Deuteronomy 22. You can take eggs from a nest as you go along the road, but you're not allowed to take the mother bird. Okay, Deuteronomy 22. Um, you are supposed to have tassels on the four corners of your cloak with a blue cord in them. Uh, numbers 15. You're not to cook a kid or a young goat, not a child, in its mother's milk. Exodus 23. That That's where a lot of the the kosher rules come about meat and cheese, meat and dairy that you don't eat them at the same time. Um, so no cheeseburgers in Israel. Um, you're, you can eat some birds, but you're especially forbidden to eat owls or bats. Deuteronomy 14. Uh, it's too bad they didn't follow that in China, right? Uh, if you don't absorb, uh, observe the Sabbath, you should be put to death. Exodus 31. Jesus says all these commandments, uh, all, all the teachers of the commandments that lack these commandments, are go to the bottom of the line, the bottom of the stack in the kingdom of heaven. That you're supposed to teach these things. In fact, then Jesus makes the argument, takes the argument one step further to part number four. Not only does the law stay true, but your obedience to the law must ex- surpass the experts. He says, "For I tell you, until your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven." The scribes and the Pharisees took these 613 laws very seriously. They tithed everything, including uh, their table salt, 10%. Uh, they they uh, wore long tassels. They were very serious about the Sabbath. For the people listening to the sermon, they could not imagine righteousness surpassing that of those people. But Jesus is understanding righteousness not just as the following of the law, but living the way God wants you to. Rightness, right relationship, right heart, and Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds them, then you're not even going to enter the kingdom, not, not go to the bottom of the list. Your righteousness has to be so high to get into the kingdom. Jesus has made his point clear. He is in line with the law and the prophets. And he will go on to share some examples of his teachings. And, and what we're going to find over the next couple of weeks is he's taking the teachings deeper, to heart, to relationship but he sees them as a continuation of the law, and and so the the law is something we're supposed to to follow and pay attention to as Christians. The problem is, of course, that we don't. We don't take these words of Jesus seriously. I mean, I mean, I don't eat owls or bats, right? But but we're not sacrificing. I don't have tassels on my cloak. Um, I, I I like to eat bacon. You know, there's a lot of stuff that that I don't follow in the law. And the the early church had to do a lot of work to figure out what to do with the Old Testament and and what to do with all these laws. And and, uh, under their leadership, a lot thanks to Paul, um, they decided that there's different kinds of laws and that some laws are ethical. You're still not supposed to murder anybody. Um, You're not supposed to steal. But but some are for cleanliness and for, for rituals and for sacrifices that Jesus... In some ways, because of his life, because of his death and resurrection, now, we don't have to follow the same way. So there's a a loosening of the law in some ways. But how could they do that? If Jesus said whoever does that is going to be the least in the kingdom. There's a real problem here. That if we take Jesus' words here seriously, then we should probably be following some of these laws in, in a lot deeper way. Shouldn't peter and and Paul and James the brother of Jesus all be leased or out of the kingdom if if Jesus is what saying he's saying here uh is read just at a first glance well what what the early church decided and what we follow to this day is the understanding that the under the ultimate purpose of the law wasn't to make you have to follow all the laws, that part of the purpose of the law was to help you and I realize that there is no way our righteousness can ever get to the point where we're right with God. Then the prophets take it further to to look ahead to what this Savior, a coming Messiah, might look like, that God's going to have to fulfill all this righteousness. Now Jesus then is saying not just that he fulfills the law but that he fulfills the prophets and the law. And so um, he's saying I'm fulfilling all of this story. And Jesus lives a perfect life. He, he follows the law. He's without sin. Okay, He keeps every dot, every iota. And his righteousness far out exceeds the Pharisees. And then he becomes the ultimate sacrifice. Right? So it's his righteousness that becomes ours. He fulfills the law when we cannot. We get his perfection. So Jesus said in our passage, the law won't change until all is accomplished and the kingdom comes. But you see in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospels, all the Gospels, but, but we're looking particularly at Matthew, the kingdom has come. Okay, the, the, uh, the, the things are being accomplished right before your eyes. He's fulfilling the law right here. So this is tricky. But what we we have to be clear on is that Jesus is not haphazardly throwing off the Old Testament and the laws. As we'll see in the next few verses, he's he's actually taking them deeper into the heart and into relationships. So we as Christians can't ignore the Old Testament. Yeah, you don't have to have tassels on your cloak. You, You can eat bacon. I still don't recommend eating owls and bats, right? But... But you still, but you, but you can't kill anyone. I mean, there's still a lot of laws that we do need to follow, and we can look back at the Old Testament and and see a lot of ways in which and, and learn to appreciate more the ways that Jesus does fulfill these ongoing expectations of the Old Testament. Now, and this may be really heady and feel kind of theological, but I think there's a lot here for us to consider in it it's worth continuing to ponder. Um, but, but let me give you a, a much more practical sort of um, thought exercise to, uh, to go through because of these texts, right? I mean, I think we will we, we see this, this paradoxical sort of problem, right? That uh, Jesus is saying the law is, uh, is still in effect and it's, you uh you gotta follow the law, every every piece of it. And then the, the early church says, you know, but because of what Jesus did, he fulfilled it and accomplished. So we we right and scripture seems to have those two things always together. And I think we, we have to just take those two things, um two things um and, and hold them in tension. One is God's grace. That through Jesus Christ, we are given favor, unmerited, unearned, undeserved love and and, uh, favor from God. On the other hand, uh, so it's unearned, but on the other hand, it does come, grace comes with expectations, that we live our lives differently because of the grace that we have. And, and you have to keep those two in balance. If you overemphasize the grace without the expectation, then you have a faith that's not really a lived faith. It's just a believed. It's just in your heart. It's, it's not in your life. And that, that is clearly not Jesus' view. On the other hand, if you hold up uh, righteousness and expectations of the law and, and, and diminish your view of grace, you get a faith that is earned. That you do something, you end up um, getting there because of your works. But but no, it's these two things that balance. It's grace and truth. It's grace and expectation, and and we got to have both those things. And they they are intention. I think they're in, intention in Jesus's words here. I think they're intention in the whole New Testament. But but I think the goal is not to try to resolve that tension. It's just to live with it. That I'm never going to earn, I'm never going to be good enough for Christ's sacrifice. I'm never going to be good enough for God's love. And I don't have to be. But that doesn't mean I don't try to live a life honoring of that call. I don't try to be more Christ-like. I, I don't become more Christ-like over time. Okay, the, the, you, you, you have grace, but you also have expectations with that grace. God loves you first, but then you learn to love God in a different kind of way. And so, in this way, Jesus is absolutely fulfilling the law because I think that's what the law was always meant to show us. And Jesus is in continuity with this ongoing story of these two things being in balance. So, maybe there's a little bit of a heady sermon this week, but I would encourage you to ponder both God's grace and the expectations of that grace, and what it means for your life. Let's pray. Lord, be with everyone who hears this message, that they would ponder the ways in which, Jesus, you fulfill the law, that they may understand the expectations of your grace for their lives. May we live up to the righteous calling that you have for us, And even though we never will be righteous enough, we thank you so much for your grace. Amen. So this week, go and and hear the call of Jesus, wherever it is in your life, to fulfill righteousness, to do the right things, for the right reasons, for God's glory. Amen.